Dateline, 12th of November, 2023. Ta-da! Well, g'day, folks. Welcome back to the Australia Desk for this week's episode 774. Well, Grant, um, you've been a little busy in the two weeks. Did we say it's only going to be a week? Anyhow, the last two weeks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so you took you, you took the trip to Sydney, mate, and uh, you've been up at a uh, big defence conference, and um, it's mostly to do with the Navy, but um, I'm just wondering, mate, um, Indopac, was there anything there with an aviation, you know, twinge to it? Yeah, there was. Uh, Indo-Pacific, 2023. It's a every two-year event, and uh, it is to Navy and Maritime as Avalon is to Air Force and Aviation, although you're not seeing so much in the way of warbirds and uh, you know general aviation. God, it's, um, how boring. I know, right? But uh, it, is, uh, it is big, and there was a lot there. Uh, Sentinel boats from Tasmania had their uh, 1200 model on display, as did the Whiskey Project had one of their boats on display. So these are uh, rapid boats, like you know, probably carrying anywhere of around 12, 14 people on board. Some of them can have Zodiacs on them. So these are designed to get people from the uh, capital ship out to a vessel they're inspecting, things like that. So, you know, those were there. But on the aviation side, yeah, there was a a stack of drones. There was Seahawks, not physically present, but Lockheed Martin were happy to talk about about the Seahawks, the Romeos, of course. There was also um, a lot of uh, information about the Aegis or Aegis system, um, Shield of the Fleet, now being called Shield of the Pacific, uh, because of uh, the number of navies, not just the US, around the Pacific that are operating it. And yeah, that was that was a good discussion I had with one of the guys there. That'll come out on Australian Defence Magazine podcast. So yeah, it was it was good, but it was, of course it was mostly focused on maritime. But a lot of autonomy, uh, a lot of drones. Uh, I've got some recordings with Anderil, with L3 Harris, with Sentinel boats, all on that autonomy side of things. One of the really interesting things I found there, and there's been a lot of talk about this over the years ever since these particular ships were launched, and that's to do with the HMAS Canberra and the HMAS Adelaide, which of course are our, you know, to use the term, Harrier carriers, even though they don't operate, uh, they don't operate those, uh, they're LHDs. Now we only yep. operate helicopters off of those, but there's always been talk around because they, you know, they were based on a Spanish design, I believe. They've got a big ski ramp on the front, and gee whiz, could we ever operate F thirty five Bs off there? Now uh, there's uh, been some talk in the defence community over the years about that, but uh, here's a little grab from the uh, doorstop that you recorded, Grant, with the uh, defence minister uh, Richard Miles and the uh, chief of the Royal Australian Navy, Vice Admiral Mark Hammond, and uh, well, judge for yourself what their uh, plans are in that regard. Admiral, there's been discussion about uh, redoing the decks of the Canberra class to handle F-35. Is this a pipe dream? Uh, Is it possible? Is it something you're discussing? It's not something I'm looking at. Thank you. Well, that was a pretty categorical nope. Yeah, and I mean the thing is, I mean it'd be really cool if we were we were operating F thirty five Bs off there, but I mean the the cost not only to modify the ships but to procure those extra aircraft would be astronomical. And the question is, of what benefit would there be to Australia if we did that? And the unit cost of those aircraft is what eighty to a hundred million dollars, let's say each. You'd have to have enough for an embarked squadron on each ship. You probably have to have another squadron back, you know, uh, on the shore for training, maintenance, that sort of stuff. You're talking a lot of aircraft, and as cool and wonderful as it would be, I just, I mean, I'd love to see it happen, but I just don't think it would. And obviously the minister uh, and the uh, the Navy chiefs, well, they've got other ideas for those ships. 
Correct, mate. And it would you'd have to beef up the uh, the deck because the deck's not strong enough and survivable of the uh, heat being put out by the F thirty five B. You'd also have to uh, create space for fuel for the aircraft, for armaments, things like that. There's a lot of work that would need to be done to the existing LHDs. And to be honest, you'd almost need to buy another one. Uh, Would probably be more effective. But, yeah, it would look – just ask the British how essential it was to have those sea harriers during the Falklands way back in the 80s. Uh, Honestly, if – if the uh, if the Argentines had just held off, if Galtieri had uh, waited another three or four months, the last British carrier would have been in being scrapped, so actually being torn apart at the time. When Galtieri and the Argentines did their invasion, the uh, the carrier was their last carrier was actually on the way doing its final voyage before scrapping. So, yeah, ask the British how important that is. Mm, yeah. Anyway, we can always dream about that stuff, but uh, really interesting. And, of course, that content will be coming out on the Australian Defence Magazine podcast uh, in coming weeks. Grant, um, I guess we'll just flick to the second story in our list here, actually the third one since we're still talking about F-35s. Let's talk about (laughs) Rosebank Engineering. They're doing some really cool stuff. Uh, They certainly are, mate. Uh, Rosebank Engineering has announced the activation of its F-35 Lightning II wheels and brakes repair depot at its Bayswater facility in Melbourne. And Now, now Bayswater uh, and Rosebank. Now, Grant, that always makes me think of this. The All-Australian Safety Helmet. Oh, God, I tell you what, Grant. Stack hats. That uh, anybody who's listening from uh, this part of the world that listens to that ad and was a teenager at the time that we were would be shuddering because uh, stack hats were bicycle <laughs> helmets made by a different Rosebank Engineering. But I remember them being in Bayswater, which is east of Melbourne, but uh, not the <laughs> same. Imagine that bicycle helmets to F thirty five. You know, maintenance, how cool would that have been? <laughs> well, you never know. We, we could always reach out and find out. <laughs> oh, crikey. i tell you what, um, anyone who wore a stack act back in the 80s, uh, before bicycle helmets were compulsory here in Victoria, was labelled a nerd. Mind you, Grant, I, I was a nerd. I was quite proud of being a nerd. I bet you were too. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Devo, Craftwork, uh, that was my theme growing up, mate. Well, let's face it, we're still nerds. Anyway, Grant, let's... let's <laughs> totally, and nerdy about aircraft. <laughs> in, in fact, well, let's nerd out on this, Grant. The Republic of Singapore Air Force have just uh, celebrated 30 years operating their training detachment out of RAF Base Pierce in Western Australia. That's right, mate. Uh, formerly flying uh, the CI Marchetti S211 jets, and uh, these days they're flying PC21 trainers. Oh, look, very similar to the ones we're flying. And uh, my understanding is that a few RAFIs went up and flew in the PC21s with the Singaporeans before the, the RAF decided to buy them. Funny that. Yeah. Now, of course, uh, for those not familiar, RAF Base Pierce is uh, just northeast of the city of Perth in Western Australia. And as Graham mentioned, a lot of. Uh, a lot of training gets done over there. And it, let's face it, uh, Singapore is a very small place and very congested airspace and, uh, you know, it would be very challenging to do a lot of uh, military-type training, particularly this type of lead-in training over there. But coming across to Perth where there's plenty of open airspace to do that sort of stuff uh, was a pretty sound decision, I always thought, back when they made it. And uh, it's really a testament uh, to the way things run there at Pierce that uh, 30 years later it's still going. Uh, indeed, mate. But uh, they're also here in Australia, the Singaporeans, doing their uh, CH-47 training, the, the Chinook. They've got a, a training group at Oki in Queensland, and so they come and join the Army Aviation guys there and do their Chinook training. They also quite regularly join us for exercises uh, up at Shoalwater Bay in northern Queensland. 
there's lots going on and uh, Australia and Singapore work very closely together to help provide the uh, spaces that they need for doing their training. As you mentioned, it's a small island nation and we're a very large island nation. So it's great that the two of us are working well together. Yeah, and of course, uh, having visited Singapore recently, and I may have just accidentally gone past their Air Force Museum, Grant, while I was there. And uh, people ought to congratulate my wife for being so understanding and actually coming with me. <laughs> oh, wow. Su- suffering while I nerded out on aircraft. But that's yeah. a, if you're ever in that part of the world, it's, a, it's only a small little museum they've got there, but it's, it's very, very cool. I'd highly recommend visiting. <laughs> I suspect that the payback was lots of funky food and uh, lots of fashion spaces. Lots of shopping. Well, she got her own back when we were in Thailand this year, that's for sure, shopping-wise. <laughs> My goodness. Yes, I remember seeing the photos of of you looking slightly bald while there was Kathy going through reams and reams and reams of material. Is there any wonder I have a heart condition these days, Grant? Anyway, uh, (laughs) zang. (laughs) Okay, one more before we finish up here, Grant. Uh, Dome Shelter, a company here in Australia supplying deployable hangers to the RAAF. They certainly are, and it's basically an inflatable kind of hanger that uh, works with a couple of, uh, well, shipping containers either side. So you're anchoring everything with shipping containers, and this gives you the cover over the top. So those 40-foot shipping containers are really good, and there are so many great uses for them now, not just packing gear in, but they're also easily deployed frontline operational bases, everything. It's it's quite amazing. And here they are now being used to supply these shelters for aircraft. You know, Grant, I think they should have a deployable podcast production studio. That'd be a great idea for one of those. Well, I don't know how. Oh, actually, yeah, we could fill a 40-foot container if we did it properly with the lounge, the air conditioning, the fridge, the beers. Yeah, I could easily do it just with the junk I've got in here. Anyhow. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just thinking of my portable broadcast that I take around when we're doing things. And yeah, it would be so much nicer to be able to have a 40-foot shipping container to go nuts with. Yeah. Oh, yes. You and your beer supplies, we'd need two containers, come to think of it. Now it's starting to cook. Then we could put one of these between them and have a little bit of a shelter for us. <laughs> Fantastic. See, you can put aircraft under them, but there's far more interesting things we could do with those shelters. Indeed. All right, no worries. Well, that's everything we have for you on this week's Australia Desk. Grant, um, I'm going back to finishing this delicious lunch that I know you want to lambast me about. Come on, tell the listeners. He's having, what is it? It's tuna and noodles. Tuna noodles. Tuna noodles. Delicious. Yeah, noodle boy. All right, you just fish are friends, not food, all right? Well, they're friends to me this week. Anyway, until next (laughs) week, I'm Steve Vischer. And I'm crying over spilt tuna. That's Grant McCarran. Cheers, folks.